Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. DIY and How Studios presents From Toronto, Canada. Muses and Stuff with your hosts, Shanti and Lynx. Part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Network of Podcasts. Music. Culture. Technology. And rock and roll. So grab those backstage passes and let's get to the show. there we're muses and stuff a podcast by two canadian girls who love music so much that we decided to start a show about it we aim to bring you the stories of the women who were there who saw and who conquered the wives groupies girlfriends muses ceos anr execs photographers you name it we are a production of rock and roll archaeology a network with a variety of shows all rock and roll related there's something for every rock and roll enthusiast and historians at heart today we present you with our long-awaited highly anticipated interview with pamela debar a woman who really needs no introduction but we'll give you one anyway this woman is a legend yeah she is she is the author of five books and maybe you've heard of her work how about I'm with the band, Confessions of a Groupie? This woman is such a rock star in her own right that when we were out vintage shopping with her today, she was recognized and called out as rock royalty. And she really is that. Rock royalty. Damn right she is. Pamela first got her start back in the 60s as she was mentored by Frank Zappa. She was in an all-girls experimental band called the GTOs. She's the best-selling author she is a best-selling author and now writes for PleaseKillMe.com. Great site. Pamela is one of the rare few that has been there and done that with the biggest rock gods of our time. We're talking Jimmy Page, Mick Jagger, Keith Moon, Jim Morrison. The list goes on. But beyond her sexy, fun-filled life and adventures, Pamela is a shining, guiding light in the world. Damn right. She facilitates writing workshops all over the U.S., Canada, and England, bringing women and people together to unleash their inner muse and tap into their own creativity. These workshops forge lifelong friendships. Hey, Shanti. Mm -hmm. And anyone who has been to one can attest to their life-changing quality. 
Speaking of Miss P's writing workshops, it's not too late to catch one if you're in the Nashville or Las Vegas area. If you're listening in real time, you can still catch the second night of the Nashville workshop on November 16th. Yeah, you can also attend a workshop in Portland on December 14th and 15th and go on the rock tour that Miss P does in LA on December 2nd. There's also a huge doll convention. So that's all us women and girls who are loyal followers and fans of Miss P in april so all of the dolls from all over are going to get together in one place in vegas in vegas yeah so stay tuned for details yeah so here it is finally yeah and you can find all this information on pamela's website pameladebar.com that's right enjoy the interview thanks all right so miss p yes this is such a pleasure well good i'm so glad i can finally do this yeah we really wanted to make sure when we interviewed you it was in person yeah i know i wanted to do it in person so this is so here we are very magical i figured we'd start with i guess it's a simple question but for a lot of people it seems like a confusing question what is a groupie yes a groupie is someone who hangs out with groups that's where the word came from it was a Coined by a British journalist, probably in 66, 7. I didn't hear it till 68 when I was hanging out with Zeppelin. And I heard someone call me a groupie. And it wasn't a bad word at that time. It just meant someone who spent time with groups. Yeah. Uh, it became quickly a pejorative because people are jealous of anyone who gets laid, especially by <laughs> a rock star. Yeah. So, And it, that it's it, mostly women who are, like, the term applies to, so... I guess that automatically makes it, if you're owning your sexuality. Yes, it usually applies to women, but there are, of course, male groupies. Mm -hmm. And and a groupie doesn't mean you're having sex with them. It just means you want to hang out with them, be with them in whatever capacity works. Yeah. You know, a lot of time I was just the right age and all that to to get romantically entangled with a lot of them. But, um, you know, we also made clothes for them and ironed their clothes and put buttons on their shirts and took them shopping and anything you can do with a friend really who's in town this is mainly the british guys but mm-hmm. not 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 necessarily only the british guys there's all the people we hung out with yeah you know we talk a lot about that like the support system and yeah, how important system. that is especially when people are away from home there's this quote from Jimi hendrix i can't remember the exact quote but he talks about how like musicians now or then were like <laughs> sailors back in the day like they would come into town the ladies would you know dance with them and uh-huh. you know feed them and clean them and then they go on their way right? clean them i like that <laughs> sometimes they need cleaning They're definitely that <laughs> that is true if i can only count how many musicians have showered and my place or mm-hmm. sure. yeah. You, yeah we just take care of them we well groupies want to give back you know in any way we can that's why we sometimes get romantic with them or even just flings or but it's so much more than that you know i want to sit and talk with them about their music you know any man and women too but mainly men um are more involved in their jobs you know, women have a lot more other interests. Men's jobs are basically what they live for. So if you understand a man and what a man's doing and get it and want to talk about it and, you know, they want you around. That's all. And it's sincere. You can't make that shit up. Yeah. Can't make that shit up. 
we both look to you as a friend and also as a mentor, which is something that you're familiar with on both sides. So you had a mentor of sorts in both Captain Beefheart and Frank Zappa. Mm -hmm. So we definitely want to talk about the GTOs and especially because tonight we're here for the writing workshop and we're getting girls together. Mm hmm. Usually outrageously. Outrageously. <laughs> and um, so on top of being, you know, a writing workshop facilitator, mentor, author, you started off as like a groupie, but also performer. Because yeah. some people might, some people might, some people might not know about you that you were a performer and a rock and roll chick in your own right. Yes, I was. <laughs> fucking wicked I was in a dance troupe with a bunch of crazy girls I met on the strip and at a fellow very eccentric fellow's home a guy named Vito mm. and he he was a Pied Piper of the Sunset Strip back then an older gentleman who loved to dance he was a dance teacher he was a art teacher and we all crazy bunch of girls met at his place and we hung out on the strip and started dancing with bands together and we called ourselves the Laurel Canyon Ballet Company um, because that's where a lot of us lived. And we danced with Three Dog Night, um, Love, a bunch of local bands. And they always wanted us on stage. We were half naked, you know, and cavorting around. And at that time, Miss Christine, one of these girls, lived with Zappa. So that's how we met him. And it was quite an, a thrill because he was a huge source of, of entertainment and inspiration for me because of who he, who he is or who he, I mean who he was unfortunately um, but you know the wildest man in Hollywood he had recently moved from New York and lived in a log cabin that owned by Tom Mix this cowboy entertainer in the 20s a, a true log cabin right in the middle of the Lower Canyon and it became the hub of anything cool that was going on so because Miss Christine was the governess for Moon, who at that moment was six months old, we got to hang out up there with him and the family and everybody else who was spending time there. Captain Beefheart, who I already knew, I met when I was in high school because his cousin went to my high school, the Mascara Snake. The Mascara Snake. Yeah, that was... That's such that, a great <laughs> nickname. That, that's Victor Hayden's, you know, <laughs> nom de plume. <laughs> he wrote with Beefheart, of course. They grew up together, but his name's not on any of the songs. He said, oh, no, that's okay. Now, of course, he regrets that. Yeah. This is one thing I love about you is that when you tell a story and the way that you retell it again, and sometimes I've heard it in one way or another, but there's always something that I learn like new that you add on or a different way of saying it and that's such a you know doing this podcast and realizing how interested people are in rock and roll history just yeah. how special that is to have that firsthand account to have lived it like well every time I tell it too I always really try to remember because I do these rock and roll tours so I'm telling these stories quite a bit and yeah I remember the people hearing this I haven't heard it before or maybe they have, and I do try to come up with something. Or it just happens automatically, the things I'd never have never said before. I see it all, you know, and then if, if I see something, I describe it. So I really do relive it every time I talk about it. Hmm. I actually just saw an article about Zappa. 
they're going to do a hologram tour with him. I've heard that. I have very mixed feelings about those hologram tours. Yeah. I'm sure he would too. <laughs> I just worked one. I worked Roy, Roy Orbitson. Uh-huh. That was interesting. Was it? I know Elvis was first, of course, as, as always. He was the first in that yeah. situation. Roy doesn't really, he's not like a performer where he, Yeah, he sort of just stands there. Yeah. So <laughs> it was a little weird. And... I, I was told that it wasn't even a hologram of Roy, but like a Roy Orbison impersonator. Oh, that's no good. Yeah. I'm, I would much rather just see an impersonator than like a flat hologram of an impersonator. It was a little strange. The orchestra was great, but... You might as well have the impersonator there. Yeah. It makes no sense. It's weird. I'm, I, I'm, I imagine a Zappa one might be a little more interesting because, I mean, he was so fascinating. You'd think they'd want to go kind of all out visually and make it an experience. Well, he didn't move around a whole lot, really. He stood playing that guitar. He dweedled, dweedled, dweedled for like sometimes 40 minutes at a time. So if that's, you know, if, if he's just going to stand there, it'd probably be a lot easier to deal with. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Yeah. You certainly couldn't get a Zappa impersonator. I can't imagine. It, it, it's interesting. Yeah, the hologram thing. Like, how are they capturing these people it's going to get better yeah it's going to feel like they're right in the room with you eventually i'm sure yeah yeah half the audience was like super into it and then the other half i think were like this is new it's different <laughs> it's a little strange i will say this about the frank zappa hologram mm -hmm. uh our network interviewed amit mm -hmm. and did i say his name right yes you did and um he does speak to his father as a hologram so if anybody is interested to know what his opinion is on that they can go listen to that episode well frank was an absent father a lot of the time let's face it all he cared about really was his work i know he loved his family but he really just couldn't wait to get all that stuff out of him yeah. you know some people just innately know they're not going to be with us for a long time i think he was one of those people what was it like being in the studio and actually, you know, recording an album with him? Well, what happened was he finally decided we should be more than a dance company. And because we were spending a whole lot of time there and just frolicking all around the cabin and all around Laurel Canyon. We kept bringing all these different amazing musicians up to meet him, you know, and he'd become a real integral part of our lives. And he had just started a record label. And we knew all that, but it didn't even enter our mind. Frank created the GTOs, you know, I've got to give him the credit. No one thought about doing a girl band, and there wasn't one. That's but crazy. Incredible innovator. Yeah. Uh, said, you guys should be a group. You, you know, let's make a record. It was like, really? <laughs> it was beyond any, our comprehension. Of course, we jumped on it. And they went on the road, the mothers, as they often did, and he said, write 14 songs, and when, when I come back, we'll record them. And that's exactly what happened that's so amazing and you guys performed live as well right yes we performed we only did five i think five shows only two really well rehearsed ones <laughs> the girls were crazy bunch of girls and frank was a teetotaler and he had no time for drugs mm. most people have no idea that frank did well now they probably do but at the time, everybody thought he was high out of his mind, but he didn't take any drugs at all, and he really frowned on it. So the girls got scattered all over the place, and before the record was finished, two of them got arrested and thrown in jail, Mercy and Miss Christine. 
So Frank broke the group up. He said, that's it. And we were so devastated, but Sparky and I especially, because yes, we got high, but not like the other girls. So eventually he took Sparky and I back into the studio and we did a lot of spoken word with mm. our songs. So we were so far ahead of spoken word because of Frank, you know. We were really performance artists before the term even existed, uh, as usual. He, he liked to pull things out of people that no one else could get out of people. And, and you wanted to please him so much that you did, you, you, you complied. You wanted to make him laugh. You wanted to make him what I, he used to beat on his knee like, you know, and that's what you hoped for. If you could get him to laugh his head off and beat his knee, you knew you were doing a good job. Yeah. It's interesting because it also makes me think of Andy Warhol where didn't do drugs, like frowned on that, but surrounded himself with these, you know, creative people who he could see like this person is special. Like they have a spark, they have something to give and he, you know, found a way to like utilize them and make them yeah, he you know, used to them more. too, and yeah. he pulled stuff out of them like Frank did. But he knew they were stoned. Oh yeah, Frank. <laughs> Frank didn't. <laughs> he was very naive. I used to go over there on downers, you know, one of my my favorite drugs of choice, and just kind of flop around there. <laughs> and I, I one time I remember he was saying, "Are you all right?" Uh-huh. And I said, "Oh, I'm getting the flu, Frank." Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, he was a sweet man. And now a break in our show to tell you about this week's sponsor. Hey, Lynx, have you ever dreamt of marrying a rock star? Uh, of course. Well, for all of you out there who finally got your rocker to put a ring on it, let us tell you about Zola. Zola is the wedding company that will do anything for love, and it's reinventing wedding planning and registry experience to make it the happiest moment in couples' lives even happier. From engagement to wedding and decorating your first home, Zola is there combining passionate customer service with modern tools and technology, all in the service of love. And didn't some wise men once say that all you need is love? So true. Zola is the easiest way to plan your wedding and registry. Join the 500,000 couples who have taken the stress out of planning by using Zola with free wedding websites, your dream wedding registry, affordable save the dates, as well as invitations and easy to use planning tools. Start with a free wedding website. It's so easy and takes just minutes to set up. Zola makes it easy to personalize your favorite design with all of your wedding details and has over a hundred beautiful website designs to choose from that fit any couple's style and type of wedding. Then build your dream registry, which you can put right onto your wedding website so your guests can get all the details they need as well as buy your wedding gift all in one convenient and beautiful place. The Zola store has the widest selection of gifts with over 500 top brands to choose from, all at different price points. There's something for every guest to give and they will love the free shipping and returns, price matching and more. They also have the best completion discount, 20% off remaining gifts on your registry starting right after your big day. To start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to Zola.com slash muses. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash muses, or for you Americans, Z-O-L-A dot com slash muses. That's right. To start your free wedding website and get 50% off, go to Zola.com slash muses. Uh, yeah, I Sh- loved him. Shanti and I both love Laurel Canyon. We talk about going there all the time and 
that just seems like such a magical place. Is there any other Laurel Canyon stories or memories that like really are special to you that you really? Well, you know the Jim Morrison one. I definitely know the Jim Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I've, I've, I've read that yeah. over and over and over again. <laughs> Well, yes, I met Jim Morrison there. Uh, I was staying with a friend right above the Canyon store, and I was inhaling this weird stuff at that time called Trimar, which was a, an inhalant that uh, uh, the Iron Butterfly's bassist discovered when, as, when he was a janitor in the hospital, and he broke a bottle of it, and he got stoned out of his mind. It wafted up into his nose, and he went, whoa! So he started smuggling, smuggling it out of the hospital selling it in little tiny vials for $10 on the strip but he he had a crush on me so he gave it to me in court he gave it to me in court jars wow so i anytime i can't remember anything i really do believe it's that stuff i mean that was some was some dangerous stuff found out much later it was used for saddle blocks for pregnant women in hospitals wow to numb their entire lower half yeah. so god knows what it was doing to my brain Jeez. so i had i had just it had a bottle of that stuff, and I was—I heard the Doors' uh, first album being played somewhere in the canyon, and I—and it wasn't out yet. And I had already been to several of their shows, and I thought, "Wow, who has that record? I want to meet that person." So I was high enough on this crazy stuff to go down the stairs and follow the Doors' music, and I got to this little greenhouse and I peeked in the door and it was Jim Morrison playing his record. That's... So, and he had no shirt on. It's this is like and an erotic his... dream come true. <laughs> leather pants and his black leather pants. <laughs> yeah, seems getting better. I can still see it. You know how sometimes stand out in a fo- in like a photograph. I can see that so vividly, and I was high as a kite. It's amazing I can remember. But he was digging around in the refrigerator. It's singing along with the end. Uh, so I was high enough. The door was sort of half open. So I walked in and did a back bend <laughs> on a rug kind of like this, actually. Amazing. I just performed a perfect back bend for him on this Trimar stuff. And he, he stood there and was, get it on. <laughs> That's what he used to say all the time, get it on. One of the things... He would say all the and suck my mama was the other thing he said all the time. God knows what it actually meant yeah. to him. <laughs> the and, back bend uh, sounds like something I do. And in the back bend, Pam walked in when I was in the back bend. <laughs> and she looked down at me and said, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> she must have been used to... Uh... Walking in on interesting Probably, situations. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. I was only 17. I was an innocent virgin. I'm not quite innocent, but I was a virgin. So, of course, I skedaddled and went back up to the house where I was visiting. And I heard a bunch of noise downstairs, a lot of crashing, really weird sounds, and her screaming, don't you dare go up there. And I was so excited. Oh, he's coming up here, yes. So he came up there. And the problem is I can't remember a lot about that because I was so high. We snorted, lived, you know, I, I had real f- cute little hankies I, d- I poured it out on. So we were rolling around up there. Like I had other two or three friends up there too. And they don't remember either because we were so high. <laughs> but we were making out and rolling around. And, um, and he invited me to the show the next day. 
the Hullabaloo Club. And that's where I start my rock tours at the Hullabaloo Club. Yeah. Can't wait to go on one of those. Yeah. I know, you have to yeah. come. Have you been on one LJP? We got, you've never been to LA? You all Neither need to come I. together. Yeah. We're all... We, yeah. December yeah. 2nd is my next one. Oh, but anyway, when I walked down the stairs that next day to go to that gig... Um, I had to step over all these different, all the doors demos that she had been hurling at his head <laughs> because he would, was coming upstairs Yeah, to, to see she what was. She put up with a lot. She put up with a lot, but she was really a fiery, brilliant girl, horribly portrayed in the doors movie by Meg Ryan. Yeah. I don't blame Meg Ryan. It was mm-hmm. casting. It was the wrong casting and, and misogynistic director. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's not the greatest. It's a terrible film. Yeah. Val Kilmer was great, though. He really was. He personified him pretty well, I thought. Hmm. And then, yeah, that is so fantastic. You've had so many wild and wonderful relationships with so many different people and Lynx and I have two episodes on you already um so this it's such an honor to be talking to you in person because we've done episodes about you and if people don't know because it's so obvious the whole podcast is inspired by you oh because of you you, this podcast that is so wonderful honey and And we met because of you yes I know that I mean I I I know that's important it's for sure I mean that couldn't have happened otherwise (laughs) <laughs> so the two um, episodes, uh, one was spoke, s- focusing on you more specifically, and then the other one was just on your relationship with Michael Debar. Uh-huh. I saw that you did that. That is so cool. And it's so wonderful that you have these long-term you know, friendships and relationships, and you have said, stay friends with your exes, dolls, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that. Um, if you can, if they haven't been can. evil to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even then, you can overcome that because, you know, I, mean, I just turned 70, and, I, you know, I've realized so many things in my life. We are all one, you know. People fuck up and mess up and do dumb things, but we're all really connected. And if you remember that, you can forgive people. And hopefully they change enough if they've been evil to you that you can at least forgive them and accept who they are. Whether you can hang out with them or not, I don't know. But I haven't had too much evil in my life, so I'm friends with a whole lot of my exes. I'm even friends with Bobby Martini, my high school (laughs) boyfriend. I just talked to him three days ago. He lives in Vegas. Whenever I go there to teach, I see him. It's amazing. I said that, I mean, we were, he was 15 and I was 16 when we got together. Pretty incredible. And Nick St. Nicholas, my first lover too, very friendly with him. Most of them, you know, most of them, some of the Brits. I haven't seen Mick Jagger in forever, mm-hmm. ever since Bianca answered the phone. <laughs> and same with Jimmy Page. I don't see him. No one sees Jimmy Page except his 17-year-old girlfriend actually she's 27 right yeah she's yeah. 27 yeah jimmy page and but he did a thing with jack white and john jack white and oh, that someone else but other than that yeah the we edge. haven't seen too much of them no it's it was great it might get loud fantastic movie yeah yeah so you've had these you know i can sit here forever and and ask you what were mick jagger's lips like and what did jimmy page's hair smell like and it's all in your books, which yes, is fantastic. Is. <laughs> so people who are listening can check out your five books that yes, please you've do. Written. 
buy They're them, all on Amazon. get them signed, all on Amazon. And I read, I read them all for Audible too, yeah. which I highly recommend. Except for Rock Bottom, you can get that only on Kindle now, or or if you can find a hardback cover. I've got I one. See, you have one. It's pretty rare right now. That was my I, third that's book. like the first thing I look for every time I go into a used bookstore. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I, I need them. I only have one copy myself. That book is amazing too. It's different from most of your others. You mm-hmm. really, you know, every chapter is focused on a different artist. And well, the, the Let's Spend the Night Together is too. That's true. On the different groupies. But I am in a lot of these stories yes. in Rock Bottom because I knew so many of the people I wrote about. Yeah. Yeah. So they're sort of autobiographical in a way and then I insert myself into a lot of the stories. <laughs> well, so to speak. Going back to your first book, I'm with a band. Um when I look back at my old diaries, I get this mixture of like hilariousness and like extreme embarrassment <laughs> me too i i were you ever nervous to like put all of that out there when you were first writing it no i was not nervous at all i thought you know almost any teenage girl from any era will will understand where i'm coming from with it's these the most things. relatable but thing. yeah because all teenage girls feel the same way whether yeah. they're with I don't know, Captain Beefheart or the or the captain of the football team, <laughs> right? It's same true. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same same feelings. Yeah. And any music lover, all my early Elvis feelings and Dion and the Beatles and all those things, you know, any music lover who, why would they pick up on with the band otherwise, relates to that completely about it. Maybe it was Rick Springfield or the new kids on the block yeah. or whatever. I feel like that's what makes it so special because it it makes you feel everything else because you're like, yes, I've been there. Yeah. I've felt these things before. And yeah, that book is so good. It's like when I think we both kind of reread every couple of years, it's just, it's so easy to pick up and yeah, you really feel it. What, what did you always know that you were going to use? Yes. Yeah. I always knew, well, I knew I was living through a time that, you know, was going to, people would want to know about later. I was prescient enough to know when I was standing on stage with the Stones or the Doors or the Who or whoever it was that people would want to know what that was like. Yeah. I, I, I knew that. I knew that the, the, the scenes I've, the love ins and all the crazy things when there were thousands of kids on the strip with the, the sunset strip riots all those things i knew they were important and would want people would want to hear about it and this is another reason why like groupies are so important like we are also historians like we're there yes. we're living it yes we can tell it from a different point of view a woman's point of view usually exactly so important yeah there's still a dearth of you know rock chicks let's face it it's still a man's world out there mm-hmm. um, thank goodness there are more but nowhere near enough yeah <laughs> so yeah. um so yes yeah, uh, groupies are part of that world that's especially back then when we really didn't have much of an option to rock ourselves you know we were in the thick of it when these bands you know the renaissance of rock you know i I often equate it to you know florence when michelangelo was fucking around there yeah (laughs) i mean really it's it's that important yeah there there's no question it was a very magical period in music history it was so special dylan i you know he's he's a cross between 
Mozart and Shakespeare. And in 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 hundred five hundred years, people are still going to be quoting him, talking about him, and to be in his presence. I I've known it from sixty five was the first time I saw him. Wow. I I walked down. I was sitting in my seat, and everyone's very quiet. And and I looked around. I said, "What's wrong with these people?" And I got up and walked to the front of the stage. I was the only person who did it. And I leaned on it like this, and no one stopped me. I took pictures. I had a, a photography class. I still have some of those pictures. That's when he wore his herringbone suit, you know. And at that moment, I said, I am in the presence of greatness that will never die. And I've known that from every time he plays in L.A. I never miss him. I sometimes travel. I've traveled to Nashville to see him, New York, over and over again. And I know that it's an honor to be there huge huge honor and when people i like sometimes i'd be walking out of the gig in some sort of bliss and people are have the fucking nerve to grumble about his voice that's crazy I, yeah you know they don't they don't realize what they're how they were in the, his presence and how yeah. important that is yeah i saw him recently and so did shanti and i i thought he sounded great why my experience was that I didn't see him in Toronto. I traveled to Oshawa to go see him. Uh-huh. And at the end of the concert, I walked up to the stage and nobody good. stopped me. Oh, good. And so you got close to him. He still looks yeah. pretty darn good. Yeah. So I, it was, uh, I'd found a four leaf clover before oh. the show. So I knew that oh. it was my time. I'm glad you guys saw him. And, you know, he has said in interviews that, you know, I am an old blues man now. That's what I sound like. And if people go to his gigs thinking he's going to sound like blowing in the wind or like a rolling stone, the man is pushing 80. So it's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what do you expect? Yeah. It's crazy. Well, I've got to say, though, I saw Dion recently. You know, I never give up on my gods. Never. <laughs> Dion, after Elvis, was the most important rock star to me, you know, in my pubescence. And you know how important that is. So... I just saw him, and I went all the way to New Jersey to see him. It was so great. <laughs> Fifth row center, you know, couldn't wait. Just like, couldn't wait to see him. And he sings just like he used to. Wow. Exactly. That's amazing. He does Run Around Sue and The Wanderer, and my favorite ones, all my Dion hits in my heart, you know. And he sounds exactly like he used to. And he looks amazing. And he is going to be 80 next year. Wow. He must be doing some. Well, he's a Christian, and he's a uh, long, time different lifestyle, clean. Yeah. yeah. So really, it really does make a difference. I think. Yeah. Same with my ex-husband, Michael. He's playing on the thirtieth, and he sounds just like he did in Silverhead. He's thirty-seven, thirty-eight years sober. Yeah. And, and I think that has a lot to do with it. For sure. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other, when you look back, favorite concert moments that really stand out? to you oh honey there's so many i know there's there's way too many (laughs) (laughs) well there was you know i i was in the doors audience so many times uh and when he was just he would just go wild he'd lay on the floor and sing you know and roll around and moan and i mean no one had done that shit I i assume there were a lot of old blues guys who did but i'd never seen them so to me that was something new when they lay down on the floor <laughs> and sang that way. And so sexy, the growling and 
just crawling around on the floor and oh my god unbelievable and it was like he was going to eat the microphone one of my favorite stories is when you're sitting on jimmy page's amp everyone comments on that like i guess it's pretty rare i don't it know it is <laughs> it's no man's land well um, you I, did it i'm gonna have that in the movie for sure that just the ang, just being up that high on the stage with them and seeing it was I, I think I must have written about it and I'm with the band how how incredible that was to for, to get their perspective the bracelets on your arm yeah, one yeah. by one like that I know I, I know that's I iconic that. stuff right but it totally is <laughs> they would come when they would walk those they had a phase in 69 when they all went to I guess it was New Mexico or somewhere and they got all those Indian braces those big chunky you know they tried to outdo each other with the gaudiness of these big silver and turquoise bracelets and one by one they put them on on my my wrist they went all the way down to my elbow as they walked on stage to play that's some pretty amazing shit it is keep them safe for them yeah i know and then i got to wear them that whole two hours (laughs) wearing things you were like an amazing gift giver and you actually would make beautiful clothing for a lot of these guys yeah it started with chris hillman because i was so in love with him and and i wanted to show him you know i I had to you know that's part of being a groupie is giving back uh as however you can whether you're sweet connie Mm-hmm. You know, Brother. and entertaining the who in a certain way backstage or making shirts for them or whatever. It's it's giving back. And I wanted to, to clothe him. I mean, it was like it was like an embrace. Right. So I I made him the first shirt. Then I made him another one. And at that time, I had already gotten real close with Graham Parsons, who was the singer in the Burrito Brothers, Chris's band. And so I made him made him a purple shirt. And I would embroider their initials and flowers and things. They were cowboy snap shirts is what I was making back then. They were very detailed. Yeah, really detailed. And one of my most important precious objects is Graham's purple shirt because his his wife, Gretchen, she was soon to be his ex, but they were still married when he passed. Um, She gave me the shirt and she said he treasured it and kept it in a plastic holder. And I was just so touched. I, I that's one of the only times I burst out into tears without knowing the tears were even going to come Aww. by seeing that shirt again. Yeah. Because the only last time I'd seen it, it was on him on stage, wow. you know. So I have that, which I will be giving to Polly Parsons, you know, one of these days when I'm gone. <laughs> I'm bequeathing it to her, of course. Aww. And yeah. I have another one of his shirts that uh, Marty Stewart gave me. Um, when he read I'm with the band and he just said he was so moved he got to see who Graham was and he found out my address I didn't even know Marty Stewart at the time found my address and called me I got my phone number from Randy St. Nicholas a photographer that we both knew and he came over and gave me one of Graham's nudie shirts so I have two of Graham's shirts and I share them on my rock tours with people I get so mad at these people if they've never heard of him (laughs) Oh, I give them such a upbraiding. Good. And I demand that they listen to him. Yeah. Good. 
good. And a lot of them thank me later. I've had many of my fan letters say, thank you so much for turning me on to Graham Parsons. And I promised him right after he died that I would do that, that I would keep your music alive. And I really feel like I've done that. I think so, too. Um, you mentioned uh, rock gods, and um, I know or I believe that I've I've read that you've mentioned, you know, being close to rock stars is like being close to divinity. So I've always been curious to know more about um, when you said Mary was the first groupie. Magdalene, yeah. And uh, if, yeah, if you could elaborate that on that a little bit, I'd love to know more. I know you took a trip to Jerusalem mm-hmm. and that you're very spiritual and can we say religious? Yeah, I guess so. it stems from religion, which has turned into spirituality. But yeah, I was born again when I was eight years old, and I have Jesus tattooed on my back, and I have my own relationship with him. It has nothing to do with being born again anymore. There's a whole other reality to the idea of being born again. It's really being born again to yourself, the the the, the true you, the higher soul, higher spirit in your in every, all of us, right? But and that's what he was trying to get across to people. It was, it was stolen by the church. But Magdalene, yes. I, and the reason I said that divinity is because great art or great brilliance, you know, taps into your brilliance, to our own brilliance and spirituality and all that. So, in that way, yeah, she was the first groupie. She followed him around, and then they became very connected. I mean, I it, it makes sense to me. <laughs> And he was saying some pretty amazing things, you know, way before a lot of other people thought of it. The Buddha had already said a few of these things. <laughs> all, all the great masters say the same thing. We are, we are him. We are them. We are it. We are everything. So when people realize that we're, we're, that we're not separate from each other, then things can change. I think right now what's going on in the world with Trump especially, it's pointing out the disparity the the opposite of the truth and sometimes we have to see that before it can swing back to the other side at least that's what i'm hoping yes. <laughs> that's like a nice positive way yes. to get the disaster that's happening yes <laughs> i tend to think that way do you think that when you leave those shirts to polly parsons and you're no longer here on this realm that Elvis and George Harrison and um, Graham will be welcoming you? I don't really know. I'm, I mean, I, I believe there's, we're all the same. I, I think it's a, I think what, what we realize when we go is, we're, yes, I will be united with them, but I will also be united with the spirit of the universe. I think it's all one. And I think that's what happens ultimately but i but i hear from them the, also we can be separate spirits i too I, I think we can do whatever we want once we're out of here <laughs> and um i i do connect with them especially graham um on another level there when we were in memphis we were there were these moments we went to graceland a couple months ago mm-hmm. and everything like was magical on that trip and everything was working out for us we got to record at sun studio which was crazy and yeah that's we, fabulous right i went to of course all those places yeah <laughs> it was magic and record it was so cool it was so great we felt a connection with elvis of course yeah. you got to stand I in that spot and hold the microphone and yeah. right 
we were like elvis is definitely here yeah like you know yeah. making sure i think sure. if we call to people who passed on and and uh you know they're they could they're they're, they're already now then they the all and everywhere and i think if it's a if it's a joyous connection they 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 show up um i think the last time i heard about you writing you were saying you're you are going to be writing a book about your spirituality and yes my next book is my sixth book is called blinded by the light great title nice i'm a serious springsteen nut too of course <laughs> and the subtitle is sex god and rock and roll so Amazing. it's about my spiritual journey that was right alongside and woven within my rock and roll journey. Are you still writing this right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be writing it for a while. Uh, it won't be out till probably next Christmas time. And but I have a column. Yeah. You know, I have a column right now. Yes. Pleasekillme.com. Amazing website anyway. Amazing book. Legs McNeil's awesome. Legs McNeil and Jillian. Yeah, both yeah. of them are great. Yeah. They... I have a monthly column there now. I'm I just I'm doing my sixth one now on the struts. Awesome. Right. And it's my it's my first um rock interview in a very long time because I just haven't wanted to interview anyone. Yeah. And I was actually gonna ask you about that. People might not know, but you did you were like a journalist for a long time. You worked long for many time, magazines yeah. and yep. interviewed many musicians. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites was Iggy Pop. I, we did the cover of Details. And Ray Davies, another one of my favorites. And surprisingly, one of the f most fun interviews I did was with Tommy Lee. Nice. Fun fun guys. Fun. Yeah. Fun. What, goofball. Yeah. But, but sweet. Really great. You interviewed um, Michael Hutchins too, right? Yeah. My first big oh. rock star interview was Michael Hutchins. And he made it so easy. And we connected so amazingly and i thought wow this is going to be fun interviewing yeah. these people yeah. <laughs> and it was so i went from being a groupie i mean i'm always a groupie um but you know i i've turned it into a professional mm -hmm. situation so that worked out really well for me see we're following your lead yes and now it's a brand <laughs> new world doing this kind of thing because it got to where you know people were writing for free so i can't do that i have to pay my bills and everything so i stopped journalism yeah. That's when I started teaching and, you know, that kind of stuff. Rock tours. <laughs> Thank goodness you did start teaching because what a gift you've given to so many people. And, like, what a shining light you've been to so many women that Thank you've you, been able to affect their lives positively. Um, when did you get the idea to start doing the writing workshops? Every, in between my books, I would uh, brush up by taking creative writing classes, you know. And uh, at one of them, I went, Moon Zappa, oh, a lifelong friend, uh, told me about a writing teacher she liked in the valley. And I went out there and sat through one class and did the exercises. And, and halfway through it, I said, oh, well, I should be doing this. I could be doing this. This would be a cool thing to do. So... It took a while to actually get the courage because I, I was always a fearful public speaker, believe it or not. So I just finally, you know, I, the writing had dried up. You know, I was, I was making five grand an article for like Cosmo and stuff. So that was all gone. And I started to, my first class in L.A. I did, MySpace was how I advertised then. You're probably too young. No, to we remember MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> 
We loved MySpace. We definitely remember MySpace. <laughs> we messaged bands over MySpace. Okay. Yeah, I got a lot of backstage passes through, through MySpace. Yes. Now it's Instagram, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, all my young groupies meet the bands through Instagram. But yeah, they came. The, the girls came to the door, and and I taught a class, and uh, just that's almost twenty years now. That's Amazing, crazy. right? And then I started my the next place I started teaching now is twelve years ago is Austin because my goddaughter moved there, and I just thought it was a perfect place to try another one. Then it was New York and Chicago and New Orleans and Vegas and Portland, Seattle, London now and Toronto. Yeah. So and other cities too. I can't remember them all right now, but I travel a lot teaching yeah and i love it and it's become my most favorite thing to do i meet people like you guys and i and i you know i fall instantly in love with all my girls like i'm madly in love with you all you know that feelings mutual (laughs) it's true though and it's like oh i love them oh it's a it's a feeling i haven't ever had uh, you know sharing this kind of because i don't know what it is about my energy but but people are safe yeah. in the room with me and they tell stories and write about people and experiences that they've never told anyone sometimes and certainly never thought about it the way it comes out on the page and it's very um it, it's very cathartic it and, is like therapy yeah well you know i call it groupie therapy it, you know it that. totally is <laughs> you're laughing you're crying like yeah. you go through every emotion in like a couple hours it's... yeah and everyone listens to each other, and they learn from each other's experiences. And they all get to love each other, too. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times it's lifelong friendships, but even if it's for those two, three hours, it's like this incredible connection that really can't be broken and really can't be explained. So I need, I would be, be great if more people signed up for my classes. Yeah. PamelaDebar.com. And uh, I guess you like hearing from people trying to tell you, like, come to this city. Yes, and and I always say, and I've got a couple cities pending right now because I say, okay, if you really want this in your city, get me 15 women who want to come. Yeah. So I do have a couple city girls who contact me in that way, trying to make that happen. Yeah, I want to encourage anyone who's listening to that because that's what I did. I wrote you and... (laughs) It's like, yeah, let's do this. You did. Yeah. I never forget coming here the first time and you had that sign up. Oh, yeah. With Allison. You guys were so cute standing <laughs> there with that sign. Yeah, we made a little oh, Miss Peace. <laughs> Picture up at the airport. We were we were so nervous and excited. Like, oh, my God. We were like, it, it was like meeting the biggest rock star in the world. Exactly. <laughs> because the groupie has groupies. Yeah. And I remember the first time I met you and how nervous I was. And I can't wait for some new girls to come in tonight and be yeah, yeah. so nervous. There new girls, there's one girl coming in. Oh, I was just, no. <laughs> no, I said, I, I'm, I'm excited to see these new girls. And sometimes they all, you know, one or two of them is pretty nervous and they get all flabbergasted, but then then they calm down and actually write, and they're amazed at what happens. So I'm looking forward to it, as always. Well, Lynx, is there anything else that we haven't covered? Or LJP, you got any questions over there? Well, I wanted to just ask... Well, first of all, I want to make sure people know about if they're in L.A. or going to L.A., check out your website, because that rock and roll tour is amazing. It sounds incredible like that's definitely the first thing we're going to do when we get there um and you mentioned earlier um 
a possible movie of I'm with a band. So is there anything you can say about that? Well, I can say that I've been in more meetings, you know, I've, I've, I have, I have had this thing optioned a dozen times and no one has had the balls or ovaries to actually go through with it. But I believe I finally met the right people who will, the timing's right with the me too thing. Cause you know, I was, I was a woman who did everything I wanted to do against all odds. And, and, you know, uh, was, I'm still called all kinds of names because of what I did. And, and I think the time is right for, to tell that story and the people I'm working with now believe it too. So it's, I think it's going to be a series. Uh, Yeah. Because we can tell many more of the stories. I I wouldn't have to, I wrote a film script and it's good, but I had to squish people together and combine Nick St. Nicholas and Chris Hillman and stuff like that. And was like, it was was difficult (laughs) and leave certain people out. I didn't want to leave out. Yes, how do you leave parts of your life out? So I won't have to if it's a series. It'd be cool if it was a Netflix original series. And um, imagine there's like um, like a concert scene. We should sneak in all the dolls. Yeah. And they should be the ones rocking out. <laughs> I agree. We'll be the groupies at the front of the stage. <laughs> so by Miss P's books, every single one of them... All five of them um, go to a writing workshop, go on a tour of Laurel Canyon, go on the rock tour if you can, because it is a dream of mine and it's on my vision board and I'm going and I think we're all a good, we're all a good um, proof that dreams come true. You're a dream come true. How are you so beautiful? I love you. Goodbye. (laughs) I love you too. I love you all. And please visit my website at PamelaDebar.com. And follow me on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. How's that? Perfect. I'm doing pretty well with my social media, yes. right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mwah. All right, let's get writing. Yeah. So that was our interview with the legendary Pamela Debar. She's an incredible woman, and just being around her and her energy so invigorating. These classes are amazing. Highly encourage anyone who can go to one to do so. Also, again, check out her rock tour and stay tuned for details on the doll convention in April. Absolutely. We'd love to see you all there. It's been such a beautiful process meeting um, listeners of the show and fans of Pamela all together because we, as Pamela said, are all one. Yes, we really are. And make sure to check out Rock and Roll Archaeology. So many more amazing podcasts uh, just can't get enough of them. So. And yeah, check out Pamela's writing on pleasekillme.com as well as uh, a bunch of other great stuff on there too. Yeah, and her site, pameladaybar.com. Yeah, and thanks for listening. As always, you can come and visit us on our social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Muses and Stuff podcast. Bye. Muses and Stuff is produced by Chantelle Muir and Link Solari. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please, purchase these great and important tracks. Please visit rockandrollarchaeology.com for more information. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 